You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured at CanadiansConnection.fm brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 262 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I am very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor of the Hockey News Montreal, the founder and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens, and how are you doing today, Rick? Are you excited to get hockey going? Absolutely. Um, how's your week been? It's It's been like, uh, what's the expression, drinking from a fire hose. So much information, <laughs> so much going on, so much for us to, to talk about today. And, and uh, um, if you've missed anything, don't worry. We're here. We got you. Um, we're we're going to be letting you know everything that's happened this past week uh, regarding the Montreal Canadiens. And I don't think the news cycle is going to slow down at all as next week we get into the preseason. Uh, we have the inter-squad scrimmage this weekend. And boy, we have a pretty loaded show to get to just based on everything that happened last week. And we're calling it, this is episode 262 of the Canadians Connection. We're calling it Full Camp, Few Chairs, Big Decisions. Uh, using some of the buzzwords around uh, camp this week uh, about the the chairs, the roster spots, uh, and it's a very full camp. Full camp, few chairs, big decisions. So we'll make sure we get you up to date on everything Montreal Canadiens. We'll also talk a little bit about the prospects. And then in segment two, uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, We're going to invite Jeff Patterson onto the show, and we're going to talk about a trade that went down this past week. And in segment three, it's the Have Your Say segment. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, in determining the roster, should the Canadians favor a player's resume or ceiling? We want to hear from you, and uh, we'll give you some time to think about your answer. But Rick, what is the best way for our listeners to reach out and let us know their thoughts? Please text us. Uh, if you've been listening a while, you know the text number. It's easy to remember, 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. That's 5853762538. Uh, text us 24 hours a day. And feel free to follow us on our social medias at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also check out the website canadiansconnection.fm. Now this past week we uh, were talking about having a few games. Well, the Prospect Challenge did wrap up on Monday in Buffalo, New York. 
If we want to go all the way back to last Saturday, September the 16th, uh, Boston faced off against Montreal, and Montreal came away with a pretty big victory, 4-1. to one, A nice bounce back from them. They started off this tournament a little bit slow, but uh, they certainly got themselves back into it. Uh, I'd like to give a little shout-out to goaltender Quentin Miller, who had a pretty good uh, start in goal, putting up 26 saves. And uh, Jan Mishak was a bit of a standout, uh, getting on the scoreboard as well. Yeah, and um, it was it was a tough game uh, to begin the tournament against uh, the Buffalo rookies, the Sabres rookies. We know the Sabres have a really good prospect pipeline, um, and they showed it um, on on Friday. But then on Saturday, um, maybe at the opposite end of the spectrum are the Boston Bruins. Bruins weak pipeline, weak set of prospects. Um, and the Canadians uh, rookies had their way in this game. And then they wrapped up uh, the tournament on September the 18th on the Monday with a 2-1 to victory over Ottawa. Uh, Montreal went down one nothing, but they did manage to fight their way back. Uh, of course, Montreal, I think, dressed a little bit of a better lineup than Ottawa did in that game, and uh, as a result, they were quite dominant. So we had uh, goals from Riley Kidney and from Jan Mishak. Is is Jan Mishak's name getting mentioned a couple of times here? Uh, yes, he had uh, uh, two goals and, uh, uh, in fact, the and and uh, added an assist and in he had the winning goal in the Ottawa game. As you said, Ottawa's got pretty good uh, prospect pool, but uh, they were sitting a lot of their top prospects. Uh, in this game, um, and uh, and I think in this game the Canadians dominated, dominated, but pretty outstanding performance from the Ottawa goaltender in this one. Uh, we mentioned Jan Mishak a couple of times because we talked about it last week, uh, and if you've missed it, uh, that's episode 261 of the Canadians Connection podcast. We played that uh, quote uh, by J.F. Wool on Jan Mishak. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear it. Uh, most of our 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 texts um, and our emails this week were about uh, that quote. Jeff Fool was a little bit disparaging about Jan Mishak. Jan Mishak uh, answered right back uh, with uh, tremendous performance uh, in um, in games two and three of the Prospect Challenge. He's he's also scored uh, in uh, the scrimmages at the main camp, uh, which we'll be talking about in just a minute. So the Canadians' record at the end of the Prospects Challenge is 2-1-0, so that's pretty good, uh, getting two victories out of three. And uh, that led us into this week where there were some scrimmages on Thursday and Friday. Uh, just to point out a couple standout players, I think, like you said, uh, Jan Mishak has been kind of a standout at camp overall so far. Yep. But also Jared Davidson. Uh, we talked about him quite a bit last season. He had a great season uh, in the WHL and... Uh, through these scrimmages, he actually came away with one hat trick. So Jared Davidson is somebody that I think we should be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and, and that was he. He said he felt a little bit rusty in the uh, prospects challenge. He was a little bit quiet there, um, but jumps in with with the big boys and and uh, and pots three goals uh, during one of the scrimmages. Um, Interesting that he had such a good year and all the way to the Memorial Cup, we we followed him last year. Um, But the Canadians did not give him an entry-level contract, uh, just a contract with Laval. He'll be with the Rocket this season. Um, But he comes out and makes a statement uh, right off the hop. Yeah, exactly. And uh, 
like I said, somebody that I definitely want to keep my eyes on throughout this preseason. Uh, did you have any other standouts uh, from these scrimmages on Thursday and Friday? I think that uh, most people, if you've watched the scrimmages, you have to be impressed uh, by Logan Mayu. Uh, we know that, um, and and uh, from from everyone who saw him, and and uh, he admitted it himself, uh, he struggled in his first uh, in the first prospect game against Buffalo. Now they were they were uh, pretty good prospects coming with speed, uh, and he said he felt a, a bit rusty after not playing for for five months. Uh, he got better and better and better in that uh, tournament, and then in all the scrimmages, he has been outstanding uh, on the ice. Uh, got a goal on Friday, um, but he is—he's been doing everything you expect Logan Mayu to do. Um, he's got a great shot, both um, slap shot and wrist shot. He—he he moves the puck. He plays physical. Some question marks about his defensive play, but uh, that's even looked pretty good. Uh, in camp so far, Josh Anderson wheeling around like Josh Anderson does. Emil Heineman, um, not a name we mentioned during the prospects challenge, but uh, he's looked good in scrimmages. And Mike Matheson's looked pretty good on the back end um, as well as camp opened. And we'll keep an eye on these scrimmages. Uh, we came away with some interesting duos and trios when it comes to putting the lineup together. And you mentioned Emil Heineman. Well, it seems like uh, he's been put on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, we know that Suzuki and Caulfield are basically attached at the hip at this point. But interesting that Heineman gets uh, an opportunity next to those two. I think that a line with Suzuki and Caulfield would really benefit from this type of uh, game that Heineman plays, right? It's Yeah, and it's interesting because um, you know, Suzuki and Caulfield play well together. Um, but uh, it's been difficult to slot somebody into that wing spot uh, opposite of Caulfield uh, because there are some really glaring defensive problems uh, with respect to Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, their line last year um, was only plus two, I think, as far as goals scored versus uh, goals that line gave up, and that's not what you want from uh, a top line. Um, Doc worked reasonably well uh, because he was the defensive conscience of that line uh, but that's that's not the best use of Kirby Doc we I, I think we all can agree uh, that he's much better um, it, it's much better for the Montreal Canadiens if he's an effective center uh, and he plays much better there so Josh Anderson was tried a number of of uh, players were tried we thought that uh, maybe Alex Newhook would end up there and he still might um, and um but it, it, it you need a player who's going to play defensively and make up for those other two. How about Emil Heineman? Um, joined the, the Laval Rocket at the end of the last season, uh, was very offensive-minded, potted a number of goals uh, in, in a short period of time, but he is very, very good defensively, um, and he could be the player uh, that uh, completes that line and, and has had a couple of, uh, of scrimmage games uh, to show that that he kind of belongs. I thought it was funny that um, he was asked, when did you learn um, that you were going to play with um, Suzuki and Caulfield? And he said, um, just before the opening face-off? Uh, apparently they didn't tell him uh, the lines ahead of time, and he was just tapped on the shoulder to go out for the opening face-off, and that's how he found out. Um, <laughs> um, didn't, didn't, there was no chance for him to build up any nerves. He just went out and played and, and looked pretty good doing it. 
Yeah, I like it. Just throw them out in the fire. Don't give them time to think about it. Just go out and do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple more duos that uh, we thought were interesting. Uh, Monahan and Doc. This is actually something I think you and I talked about last season. Um, yeah. We think that this would be a good duo. Uh, Doc is, uh, he's a center, but he has struggled on the face-off dot. Monaghan is more of a natural center. He's a veteran, but uh, I think nowadays he plays more on the wing, so he can help out on the face-offs at least. Um, Newhook and Anderson, uh, two pretty skilled players going together. That's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Harvey Pinard and Gallagher, and then Evans and Armia. So you can kind of see where they fit some of these duos together. Yeah, and um, did they play as duos? No, of course they didn't. There was there was a third player uh, in these trios, but it looked like looked like to us anyway uh, that uh, the third player was kind of an add-on. It was a player who's likely headed to Laval or back to Junior in all of these cases. Um, and and so Monahan and Doc had Joshua Y, I believe. Uh, but but it's that duo that they're trying to keep together and, and build some chemistry through camp. The speed of a new hook and Josh Anderson, um, probably the you know the only one who can keep up with new hook is Josh Anderson. Um, <laughs> the the ruggedness of uh, Harvey Pernard and a Gallagher Owen Beck was between them. We'll see what happens with uh, with Owen Beck. Um, Evans and Armia, um, those two are, are likely destined for the fourth line. Um, and they played with Pizzetta and some other, uh, uh complimentary players. Uh, but those two players seem like they're going to get stuck together. So we'll see how it, um, how camp evolves, uh, how these, if these duos stay together, I think they might. Um, and, but, uh, there'll be a number of players, um, added and changed and, and those will evolve as we get into some of the preseason games this week. Well, one of the other interesting that will interesting things that will be interesting to uh, monitor over this preseason is uh, what's going to happen with the goaltenders. And we do have some audio coming from Jake Allen as he's talking about uh, the workload that he's hoping to have this season, and he's going to reflect a little bit about what happened last season too. Yeah, no question. I I feel that uh, I want to play more games than I did last year. <laughs> you know, obviously a couple injuries held that back and. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for me, it's coming in, playing well, getting off to a good start this season, uh, feeling comfortable in tr- training camp, and, you know, just going with the flow. I, I don't put numbers on things. I never have my whole career. I've never set a number. Maybe a few times I've answered some questions, but I come into the season, just want to play as much as I can. So let's, let's back up a bit. Jake Allen, um, context is important. Jake Allen, when he comes to the microphone, he always says the right thing. Um, he rarely talks about himself. He always talks about the team. He'll talk about, he'll praise his teammates. He'll praise the defensemen in front of him. He'll play, praise um, the younger goalies that he works with. That's his MO. That's what he does all the time. For him to, to speak about himself like this was a little bit unusual. And um, so it, it should give you kind of a... Uh, glimpse uh, in, into his mindset coming into camp. Um, and he says very clearly, I want to play more than I played last year. Um, last year, so what, what was last year? Well, um, the number of games were kind of split down the middle. There, the, It was split down the middle in terms of starts, in terms of game play, games played, in terms of wins uh, for both Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau, right down the middle. Jake saying, I want more. Um so his 42 games uh, last year, 
uh, he's going to want a little more than that. The other thing, he, he gave a little bit of a, a background, um, wasn't, uh, you know, he, he played a lot and, and um, um, he, he didn't have his same level uh, that he's had in previous years. And, and he chalked it up to the fact that he was injured the previous season. He, w- he had a groin injury late in the 21-22 season. Um, and so he spent most of the summer kind of rehabbing that injury as a groin injury, wasn't able to be on the ice. And he was kind of behind the eight ball when he got started. He said this year um, he's been able to uh, train all summer. He feels good. Um, and, um, and has, and is acknowledging that you constantly have to, um, improve yourself, but says, uh, quote, this time I had a full summer to train, which I didn't have the chance to do last year. Um, he also was asked about Caden Primo and is always very, um, positive when he speaks about Primo and they said, you know, you know, Primo had a bad year last year and, and Jake said, um, listen, it's, it's the past. Uh, you got to forget about it, put it out of your mind. But he, then he added that he, he's always been told, told, um, that when you're given your opportunity, um, you must take it, that you must perform. Um, and I think that was a little bit of a motivational message to Caden Primo that, um, you know, in the past hasn't worked out, but this year, if you get a chance make it take full advantage of your opportunity because uh, who knows how many you're going to get yeah some wise words coming from jake allen there uh really seems like he's coming to camp with a little bit more fire than he did last year doesn't he absolutely i think so and and um i i think you know all summer we've heard about sam montembeau sam montembeau sam montembeau uh, about this glorious season that sam montembeau had and, and listen when you look at the numbers it it just doesn't really uh, uh, play out that way. Um, and there is some assumption, I think certainly amongst uh, many of the Montreal reporters that Sam Montembeau will be the number one, the clear number one. Uh, and that Jake Allen will have to be satisfied with a backup role. I think Jake's saying, no, um, thank you, but no, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to play a bit more this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do believe that Jake Allen is the best goaltender in the organization still. I'm sure Montreal will give Montembeau his fair crack at things. But uh, if Jake Allen uh, comes into camp with this kind of a fire, I get the feeling he's really going to be a great goaltender this year, right? I agree. So make sure you're checking out Tab's notepad, Hab's headlines, and feature articles and game day posts appearing regularly at THN.com slash Montreal. Some roster news, uh, 72 players were invited to participate in Canadians training camp. That's 72 players. That's an awful lot, like a lot, a lot of players to go through. Um, I think looking around the league, most teams seem to have around 50, a little bit more than that. So certainly significant that they've invited, uh, I guess, about 20 extra players in what a lot of other teams are doing. Yeah, many, many of the teams are in the 50 to 55 range. The Canadians in the past have been in into the the 60 player range. I don't remember them at uh, them bringing 72 players to camp. Uh, what does that mean? Well, um, it's tough when you have that many players uh, dividing up the 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 ice time, uh, both for drills, uh, learning systems and uh, for the scrimmages, dividing uh, the that many players up. Um, and then it, it impacts uh, 
um, you know, the players getting a chance to play with other players that they're going to be uh, on a line with uh, or in a defensive pairing with uh, when the season starts. Um, so why did they bring all of these uh, players in? And, and again, that relates to uh, the title of this podcast, Full Camp, Few Chairs, Big Decisions. There are going to be big decisions uh, to be made, um, but maybe some little decisions can can clear out some of the, the excess. Uh, but when asked about it, Marty St. Louis said, um, you know, I want to send a message that everybody has a chance. Um, you know, there are players who are undrafted. There are players who have come in a variety of ways but I want to send a message that everybody has a chance. Now it's that's nice, and the, but um, you know a National Hockey League team isn't a charity organization, and and um, you know bringing in nine goaltenders, there's no expectation that uh, the majority of those are going to end up with the Montreal Canadiens at the end of the day. Um, so uh, you know this started t- t- when when um, players came to the to the podium and when. Management came to the podium, the hockey ops staff, they were asked about this. Um, because, you know, there's only six preseason games coming up, down from eight. So there's going to there's gonna have to be some pairing down so that, that players can start building chemistry. Uh, Rob Ramage um, said, hey, listen, and, and Rob Ramage is very laid back, so nothing, nothing worries him. He said, hey, don't worry. Um, listen, um, Lavelle... There's no roster limit in Lavelle, so we can send as many <laughs> players as we want to Lavelle. Um, but that kind of didn't didn't kind of square with most people because you thought about it. There's going to be this huge number of players in Lavelle, um, and what are they going to do with them? And how are they going to fit them into the lineup? And how are they going to set up a rotation? Um, so this finally came down to. Um, a question for Kent Hughes, and he answered it like this. But as far as the overall and creating room in, in Laval, we don't want people sitting watching 40 games in a season. So, you know, we'll, we'll work through that. We've got decisions to make, and we've got time to do that here over the next three to four weeks. But we're not going to uh, we're not going to leave an army of young players sitting in Laval, you know, kind of alternating into games. So if there's alternatives, we'll explore them. All right, so the the general manager answers definitively, we're not going to leave an army of young players um, in Laval, um, you know, many of them having to be scratched for multiple games. We're going to look at alternatives. Alternatives mean Europe. Alternatives mean um, junior hockey, the CHL. So um, there's going to be um, there's going to be lots of cuts, and there's going to be a lot of movement uh, for players and. Um, you know, Laval's going to be competitive, competitive enough as it is with all the, um, you know, a lot of veterans that they signed uh, for that team and wanting to focus on development in Laval. You don't need a lot of players uh, sitting around watching. Um, so um, let's let's monitor that. But it sounds like um, Kent Hughes has has thought about it and has some ideas. Yeah, I guess he'll have that all under control. <laughs> confidently <laughs> and, uh, said yes yeah i hope so <laughs> uh but uh, along the lines of uh development and this is going to tie in in the latter part of the story but uh, paul byron has announced his retirement after 12 seasons in the nhl uh paul byron to me is the epitome of what a utility player is uh, you put him in any position he can do it 
he got himself over 500 games and over 200 points. So great career for Paul Byron. Uh, really loved watching this player play with Montreal. And, uh, well, something else happened uh, not too long after he announced his retirement. It was nice, though. He he sent uh, a letter, um, to uh, an, an open letter uh, to everyone. He acknowledged all the, the people that um, that have helped him along the way, his family, uh, coaches, uh, players, teammates, trainers, everybody. Um, and you can you can sense um, a, a bit of disappointment. Um, what he really wants to do is continue being a player, but um, his his injury, um, his injury, his hip injury won't allow him uh, to continue playing. Um, but he he he's he's very grateful. He's a student of the game. He recognizes that um, that he can help uh, other young players, and uh, we we've talked about him uh, over the summer. He was involved with the development camp. He was involved with the rookies, and his messages are um, are both kind of blunt um, and inspirational at the same time, saying. You know, um, you have to, this isn't, you're not going to be gifted a spot. You have to uh, work to get a spot. And then once you get that spot, you have to, you have to keep it. You, you have to, you have to fight for it every single day. And um, so it, it wasn't a surprise. We've been talking about this um, for, for a few weeks now that, that it was signaled that he was going to be part of, of um, the player development group uh, as a consultant um, and really, um, this, this whole transition started last year. Um, we noticed that, uh, the injured players all sit together in the press box, but, uh, you know, the general manager, um, Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes and, and, uh, John Sedgwick and Marty Lapointe, and they all sit in a, in a box together. And it was Paul Byron who was more often than not, joining that hockey ops group and he said that that he took that opportunity to learn about learn the other side um, the non-player side um, and and in that way smart 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 uh, that he was able to prepare himself uh, for for unfortunately um, his retirement from hockey but uh, I think the perfect uh, fit as a development consultant. Happy to say say that he's uh, sticking around with the Canadians organization. I think uh, that was a great choice by everyone involved. Um, last week we talked about uh, Paul Byron uh, talking about uh, Logan Mayu staying at his place with his family, and uh, well, Paul Byron had a lot of really good things to say about Logan too. Honestly, we didn't really talk too much. Just kind of shared, you know, what my first year pro were like. Um, what to expect in camp, like where your mindset and focus should be, and you know, I learned a lot about Logan. He's a he's a really nice young man, and and you know, my kids love them. We love the love the experience him in our house, and you know, we kind of miss him. The house feels a little bit lonely already. <laughs> really, really nice words. Um, we talked about how we wished the Canadians would would be more active in setting up these kind of housing arrangements for. Uh, young players and and billeting them with uh, with older players. Well, this was temporary. Uh, this happened uh, for a month. Uh, that that some of these young players arrived early in uh, in August. Uh, and Paul Byron, uh, his own initiative, uh, said, "I'll take Logan Mayu." And uh, Logan Mayu was able to live with the the Paul Byron family. 
Um, and and uh, you know, nice of him to say the kids loved him. He's such a nice young man. We're going to miss him. Um, that that was really nice. What what he didn't say in that clip, what he went on to say, is that uh, Paul Byron also farmed uh, a couple of other young players off to his neighbors. Um, <laughs> uh, he reached out to his neighbors and said, will you take Emil Heinemann? Will you take another one? Will you take David Reinbacker? So the neighborhood, the Paul Byron neighborhood, was filled with Logan Mayu, Emil Heinemann, and David Reinbacker, which I think is fabulous and must have been um, incredibly helpful to these young players. Absolutely. I like that he's uh, stepped up to the plate and take this, taken this on himself and uh well, if I find out where that neighborhood is, I might take a little walk down just to see what the whole dynamic is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, we received an update on injuries this past week, and uh, to start things off forward, Christian Dvorak will not be able to return to the lineup until November. Uh, we remember back on March 15th, he had knee surgery, and uh, that ended his season early. Uh, he's still dealing with some after effects. Um, also, de- defenseman uh, Chris Weidman will be out indefinitely with a back injury. Uh, this was also announced on Thursday, the first day of training camp. So we, we knew that uh, Christian Dvorak would, would likely not be ready for opening night. Uh, didn't realize, I guess, um, how would we, uh, that uh, he would be out uh, a full month. Um, and uh, Weidman being out uh, indefinitely, you know, there's no timeline attached to that. Um, this is this is very, um, it, it's unfortunate for the two players involved. It's, um, you know, we never want to see anyone uh, injured, not being able to start the season with their team. It's always difficult as they try to transition back into the team once, uh, once a you know, patterns and habits have been started. Um, but I hate to say it, but this helps the decision-making for Kent Hughes. Um, it helps the decision-making at forward, at at center in particular, uh, and also about who that seventh defenseman is going to be uh, when the season starts. Um, th- this, this, from Kent Hughes's uh, perspective, helps him when he's... Uh, has to make these roster decisions. Uh, some roster changes coming to the medical staff once again. Uh, Jeff Gordon announced uh, some major changes there, including the retirement of David Mulder as head team physician. Uh, he spent about 60 years with the team, so big congrats on a great career with the team. And a uh, big thank you as well. He's seen a lot of different eras of hockey there, and uh, I think he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, he's been, um, to to start with this, the team in 1963, um, that's an incredible career. And uh, a lot of players are, are very grateful to uh, Dr. Mulder. He's been a fixture behind the Canadians bench for um, decades. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's received the Order of Canada. He's, he's a well-decorated uh, doctor. Um, he retires as, as head team physician, um, and he'll become a consultant now and hold the title head team physician emeritus. Um, interesting that he was, um, for years and years and years, he was titled the chief surgeon. That changed uh, at some point uh, to the head team physician. Uh, but now that title of head team physician goes to Dr. Dan Dackelbaum. Um, he's been with the Canadians for 12 years and, and takes over. 
Um, there's also a new head orthopedic surgeon, and um, we know that that many of of the um, Canadians. Uh, for any kind of major orthopedic surgery, I've gone to the States. Some of the best doctors are there. Um, but for any um, you know, smaller things related, uh, it's it's now Dr. Uh, Thierry Piao. Uh, and Dr. Ed Harvey has been demoted and is back to uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, we've talked about some of the other changes that we've noticed on the website, not officially announced. They have now been announced Matthew Moore was hired as a massage therapist. I think he comes from uh, the Newfoundland Growlers. Um, Daniel Shamas was promoted to assistant athletic uh, therapist. Uh, and then you remember the changes earlier uh, in the year. Um, there was the firing of Graham Reinbend and Donald Belmforth, longtime members of the organization, replaced with Jim Ramsey. Um, as uh, head athletic therapist and Maxime Gauthier as head physiotherapist. And uh, this was promised at the end of last season. Uh, Jeff Gordon said there's going to be, we're not going to go through this again. Uh, too many years that we've led the league uh, in injuries, um, in man games lost. Um, so we're going to make changes. They have. Um, I thought it was interesting, a little tidbit, in addition to these announcements, uh, Arbor Jacki was uh, said, um, you know, have you noticed anything, anything different? And he said, Jim Ram- Ramsey has been great. Um, we remember that Arbor Jacki had a, uh, an injury last year. He said, Jim Ramsey came over from the, the Rangers organization where he had been for years. Jeff Gordon, um, knew him. And he said, uh, Arbor said, what I've noticed is all the new machinery, all the new, more modern rehab facilities now, um, in, in the Canadians' rooms, which I, I thought was interesting, um, and and a little tidbit that that shows, um, you know, some of these behind the scenes workings that um, maybe they've been dealing with the same equipment for years and years and years. Somebody new comes in, they bring in um, the modern, uh, some modern technology. So all of that's positive, I think. Yeah, I think it's nice to see the organization keep their word and improve their medical staff and improve upon everything in that area as well. So um, great to see that. And uh, like we already said, uh, big thanks to David Mulder for uh, being behind the bench there as a head team physician for all those years. Yeah. Uh, Big trade to announce. uh, Canadians acquired Tanner Pearson and a third round draft pick uh, in uh, 2025 for the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for goaltender Casey DeSmith. Uh, we had the DeSmith trade watch on for a couple weeks <laughs> now, so I think we were anticipating this happening, but uh, I think a bit of a surprise deal for both teams a little bit. I know the Canucks uh, lacked some goaltending depth. Uh, their backup last season was Spencer Martin, who uh, wasn't that great, so they definitely needed a backup, and I think uh, DeSmith uh, fits that mold a little bit better, but uh, a bit of a surprise to see the Habs acquire Tanner Pearson. Yeah, I think so. Uh, with respect to Casey DeSmith, um, he's a, a proven backup. And as you said, uh, that will help the depth of goaltending for Vancouver. Uh, also, uh, Vancouver's got some pretty good goaltending prospects. Arthur Silovs is one of them. Um, but uh, uh, Thatcher Demko is 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 a workhorse. And, and he's going to be playing. If he's playing 55, 60 games, you don't want one of your prospects sitting on the bench all that long. So um, uh, Casey DeSmith is, uh, can play that role and they can keep 
um, their their prospect in Abbotsford, and and he can he can play he can play a lot. Um, for for the Vancouver Canucks, um, this was something that they had to do. Uh, that they that that for with Tanner Pearson, they had to move him um, for a number of reasons. One was uh, cap related. Uh, that they activated Tanner Pearson um, uh, from the LTIR list. We know that he missed most of last season, just played 14 uh, games with um, hand surgery and and some complications thereof. Um, So once they did that, they were over the cap and they were going to have to get cap compliant. Um, And, you know, it, it was going to either be a trade uh, or from what we understand uh, that uh, Tanner Pearson uh, was going to be uh, placed on waivers. It was unlikely that he was going to be part of the Canucks uh, this year. Um, Patrick Alvin, in his press conference, the the GM of, of the Canucks said Pearson was not guaranteed a roster spot, and uh, the consensus was is that Pearson was going on waivers. So um, moving him solves a problem. Uh, they solved their problem with uh, with goaltending. Uh, the cap um, problems are solved. Um, and the other issue is that um, there, there's been a real drama. There was um, you know, no, no, there was bad feelings between um, Tanner Pearson and the organization, the way the surgery p- played out. Uh, so that, that kind of solves all that trauma. So it's a great trade for the Vancouver Canucks. They were kind of backed up against the wall uh, and, and they're able to get out of it. It's a, Really good trade for Tanner Pearson because he's able to start fresh with a new organization. Uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, adding Tanner Pearson to the mix uh, complicates the forward. Uh, you know, they got two. They got a glut of forwards, uh, especially as Tanner Pearson now in in uh, you know the the stage of the career he's at. He's a bottom six forward. Um, there's question about not only his hand but a, about whether he's able to keep up with NHL play um, at the speed of NHL play he was never a great skater and, and he slowed since. Um, so for the Montreal Canadians, uh, you know, when, when Mark Bergevin got into the, or Mark Bergevin, what am I saying? Uh, when Kent Hughes got into this situation uh, with, um, with trying to create space and moving Mike Hoffman um for his younger players, it's it's circled. It's really circled right back to where um, he now has a veteran forward who may be occupying one of those spaces. As far as the injury, um, Kent Hughes said that uh, it's an injured left hand. Doctors say that it is at eighty percent strength. Um, Tanner Pearson said eh, closer to ninety. Actually, um, the the percentages are irrelevant. Important point is, it's not 100%. Um, so, Kent Hughes said, listen, it's not a straight line for him to return to play. We're going to live with it. Probably means that if he makes, that he gets a roster spot, he's going to be in and out of the lineup. Um, to, you know, depending on the, the opponent, depending on speed, depending on, on how he's able to react uh, to the play. Um, complicated trade, I guess. Um, <laughs> that That, did you achieve your your uh your goal um well if if adding draft capital was was a goal um through all the incarnations of of uh taking on casey DeSmith, taking on jeff petrie all of that 
Um, Ken Hughes has, has certainly added draft capital. Has he cleaned up his lineup? Mm, I, I think that's debatable. Yeah, it seems like it's gotten a little bit muddier, if anything. But uh, interesting situation that uh, Tanner Pearson finds himself in. Maybe this is a fresh start. Maybe this is a, an opportunity for him to revive his career a little bit. But a uh, good thing for him is uh, he's got some familiar faces around this team. Got, uh, I don't know how many yesterday, but uh, guys welcome me. Um, <laughs> know a few guys um, here already, so um, that's nice to, to see. For, uh, uh, well, I play a World Dream with Gallagher. Um, we're actually roommates, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but no Monahan a bit. Uh, Anderson, I've done a wedding with him. Suzuki from Summer Skates, so... Um, there's enough guys where, where I know the face. Um, so he kind of breezed through that, if you understood, that he was roommates with Brandon Gallagher at the World Juniors. Uh, unfortunately, he had <laughs> um, He knows um, uh, Josh Anderson from a wedding, and, and I think I know what wedding that is, um, and uh, has, has encountered uh, Nick Suzuki um, <clears throat> as well. Um, we, Tanner Pearson's best friend in hockey uh, is Tyler Toffoli. And uh, so Tanner reached out to Tyler Toffoli and said, you know, what's it like playing in Montreal and, and got full endorsement there. And it was probably that Toffoli wedding uh, where, um, where he encountered Josh Anderson. Uh, Tanner Pearson also reached out to two other of his friends, uh, Sherratt and uh, Ben Sherratt and Mike Hoffman, uh, and got the lowdown on what it's like to play in Montreal. So he he shouldn't be surprised at uh, fans, at media, at uh, any part of playing in Montreal. Yeah, man, I think with that being said, uh, we have plenty more discussion about this trade coming up in our segment too, so stick around for that. But for now, I think it's a good time to get to our Habs Prospect Report. It's time for the Rocket Report. The Rocket Sports Media team is your premier source for information about the Laval Rocket the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens, as well as Habs prospects playing in the CHL, NCAA, and leagues around the world. Bookmark THN.com slash Montreal to follow our comprehensive coverage of Canadiens prospects. As we talk about uh, training camp and the preseason happening in the NHL, uh, I think it's uh, important that we point out that a few Canadians' prospects are over in Europe and their regular season is currently underway. Uh, Those players include Vincennes Rohrer, Adam Engstrom, Oliver Kapanen. Uh, Some really interesting Habs prospects over there to keep an eye on. Uh, Rohrer is somebody who spent uh, time in the OHL with Ottawa last year, so I'm curious how he's going to line up in a men's league. For sure, and and we won't forget about them. We'll we'll be sure to report on them. And one of them, uh, one of the prospects, uh, taken at uh, last June's draft, the 2023 draft, uh, was Bogdan Kanushkov, um, and he had a great game this week. Um, he's he's playing for Torpedo. Uh, has played eight games so far. As we said, their regular season has already started. Playing uh, for Torpedo in the KHL. He had uh, a goal and two assists on Wednesday uh, for a three-point game. Um, And uh, interesting, he's playing 24 and a half minutes a game, averaging in those games um, for a 20-year-old defenseman. He was an an overager. Uh, We remember, and and if you caught the the whole discussion 
about Florian Jacki on the uh, draft uh, video that the Canadians released. Um, we remember Nick Bob, Bobrov talking about, no, we got to get Florian Jacki um, um, or, uh, or with our first pick in the fourth round. He's a unicorn. And Nick Bobrov was saying, um, I hope and, and let's hope that our, with our 110th overall pick, our second uh, fourth round pick, we can get this defenseman that we want from Russia. And they were talking about uh, Konushkov. Um, and thankfully that, that they did. And we remember um, it was Vincent Riondo um, who had a conversation with um, uh, Bogdan's head coach, uh, Igor Larionov. Um, and Larionov spoke, you know, very high of, of Bogdan and, and uh, the faith that, that he's investing in this young player um, is obvious. Uh, as I said, playing more than 24 minutes a game. So uh, there's an update on on a prospect who's not at uh, Canadians training camp, um, but is is making uh, news just the same. Yeah, and this is a player, I think when he was drafted, uh, you and I both had a little discussion on him. There wasn't a ton of information about this player, so it's nice that we're going to have a few opportunities to check up on him throughout the season. And I'm sure uh, if he continues to play well, we will uh, also talk about him on this segment. For sure. Uh, the QMJHL opened up their 2023-24 regular season on Friday night with seven games on the schedule. So lots of exciting uh, hockey happening all around. Uh, one of those games, uh, Nathan McKinnon had his jersey number retired. That was in Halifax by the Mooseheads. So uh, great to see that uh, he's going to have his number up in the rafters. Uh, Halifax is a great hockey community, so I know there's a ton of respect for Nathan McKinnon there. And uh, Nathan McKinnon uh, reunited uh, with Jonathan Duran uh, in the preseason, also <laughs> of uh, Halifax Moosehead fame. Um, uh, but these these aren't Canadians' prospects we're talking about here. So why are we talking about the QMJHL? Well, the QMJHL is important. Um, it's important to que- Quebec hockey. It's important to junior hockey in Canada. Um, and I just wanted to let our listener, we, it's not an official announcement yet, but, but we like to, we like to share things with our, our Canadians connection audience and, and give them a little bit more value added, let's say, um, that rocket sports has uh, been tasked with the responsibility of, of providing content all about hockey in Quebec, all of the major, uh, hockey leagues in Quebec, um, for the hockey news, um, we're we're covering the Montreal Canadiens, uh, the Laval Rocket, uh, the Trois Rivières Lions for the hockey news on THN slash Montreal, THN.com slash Montreal. Um, but you should also know um, that, um, and and again, this is a sneak peek. Uh, we're going to be covering the Q um, this this fall on a new site yet to be launched. Um, listen, I, the team, the team of contributors, the rocket sports contributors, we got people from all over Canada. We got people in the U S. Um, but a lot of our, our contributors live and work in Quebec. Um, and the listeners, our audience is made up of Quebecers as well. So, uh, we have, we have made it a priority in the past to talk about important, uh, stories, uh, stories important to the QMJHL. We talked about, the fighting band that's going to be introduced this year. We talked about it a few months ago. 
Um, we talked about, uh, speaking of the draft, we talked about the record low number of draftees from the queue. I believe the number was 12. We talked about the Memorial Cup and the queue winning the, the, the Memorial Cup for the fourth straight year. Um, so there's lots of important stories. They're important to us. They're important to you. Um, and and uh, we're going to take the opportunity to, um, to add uh, some, some writers specific to writing about the QMJHL, and uh, we wanted to we wanted to share that as as a heads up on what's coming uh, for our listeners. So to reiterate, you can find all of our content about Canadians prospects at thn.com/slash/Montreal, and coming soon, you'll find the best English English language content of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League at thn.com/slash/QMJHL. So it's time to get to our quote of the week. This one comes from Marty St. Louis, and I'm excited to react to this one. Uh, He's talking about consistency of veterans versus ceiling of young players, and that ties in nicely with our Canadians Connection question of the week. I think the biggest thing is, is, is their body of work, okay? And if they've had that big of a body of work, it's because... They, they've had consistency, you know. So it's a fine line, and you know what you have with this player, and you know you're gonna, what you're going to get from this player day in, day out. And you have potential player that probably has a higher ceiling, but we're not sure about the consistency of that player right now. So it's a fine line. Right, like how high is the ceiling, right? And like it's 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 an, it's a juggling act a little bit. There's no doubt about it, you know. And, and and I know we're gonna have some hard decisions to make. And at the end of the day, I think it's a good problem to have hard decisions to make. Let me pause that for a second um, because um, Marty is Marty th- has thought a lot about what he's going to say. He's he's thought about his buzzwords, his catchphrases. Um, he's thought a lot about his analogies. Um, and Marty saying, I don't know that I, since he's come to the podium, I don't know that I've seen him struggle so much with answering a question. We cut out the, 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 the silence at the beginning. He must have thought about his answer for eight or nine seconds at the beginning. And then you heard the pauses throughout. And basically what he's talking about is, is how will you decide your roster? Um, are you going to, to go on, uh, for, for players who've been in the NHL, are you going to go on their resume? Are you going to go on their record of accomplishment? And he said, yes, because those are the players that have, that, that have consistency. They've proved themselves already. Um, the, the young players, yeah, they might have, a uh, a high ceiling, but that's just projected. They haven't proven anything yet, but wait, Marty. I thought you didn't prejudge players. I thought you didn't, I thought you didn't, um, you know, you didn't want to put them into a box. Um, you didn't want, you wanted them to grab their own chair. Um, and so he, he kind of got a bit befuddled there, um, I think. And then most importantly is, um, is how, um, you know, how are you going to make those judgments between uh consistency between uh, a record of accomplishment between a resume and those those uh those young players who have ceiling 
when you're a team at the bottom of the standings who's building for the future. Uh, and full credit to Arpan Basu, who followed up with a question, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. That's fair, but to square that with what you were just talking about, where a baby has certain responsibilities, a kid has other ones that they can handle. I mean, where you, where you are as a team, are you not, does it not benefit where you are as a team to look at the ceiling more than the body of work? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a fine line. You're not wrong. You know, it's a fine line. We gotta we gotta figure that part out. We're gonna make decisions that's gonna, you know, help the team now, but also not hurt the team for the future. He struggled with this. Um, he, if you watch the video, he's wait a minute. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and his answer to Arpin is, "You're not wrong. Um, yeah, I guess we're supposed to be." thinking about the future and then he goes into his standard um you know it's it's boilerplate stuff hard decisions and and a fine line and all that which 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 folks are going to say arpin also referred to um his analogy which he was pretty proud of uh, marty's analogy uh saying that last year um the team was a baby it was in its infancy um i and he said i think that this year uh the team we can say is about seven or eight compared to a seven or eight year old um so i can give them different responsibilities um so arpin tried to use that and said okay then uh shouldn't you be looking at players who um are you know the ones who will be better in the future like we remember uh the whole discussion about the draft we're not picking the player who's the best now uh, we're for Yuri Slavkovsky, for example. Um, we project that he's going to be the the best player uh, from that draft in in a few years. So the same the same logic would apply. It would seem when you're when you're assembling your roster, so that you can give those young players with a ceiling um, some experience and help them get there, help them get to uh, their ceiling. Um, and I think I think Marty was a little startled by that, and and it's something now I expect, I hope, I fully hope um, that he's going to reconsider um, as they 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 make these decisions with respect to the final roster. Yeah, I think like you said, great question from Arpin. <laughs> uh, you know, questioning what Marty was saying there. I, I understand that sometimes uh, coaches and Marty being a former player and was in this position at one point, I understand the coaches do want to look after some of their veteran players, but uh, given the position that Montreal is in, it is a really good point. You have to start uh, developing your own players and giving them more responsibilities too. And I think there was a couple of times that happened. Marty said, um, you know, he talks about uh, players needing to find the right chair. Once they find the right chair, they have to fight for the next chair. All of that. Uh, but then he went on to say, that, but they need to be realistic in finding their next chair and we'll help them target that next chair that we feel that they should be in. Uh, so, again, that's kind of prejudging the, the end of the story. And, and so um, I think that, that these concepts um, are a work in progress. And, and um, you know, now that he's... He's been challenged a couple of times. Um, he'll think a little bit more deeply uh, than when he was putting this together um, in his head. 
Yeah, great analogies, great buzz phrases, but uh, do they really make sense when you put them into practice? I guess we'll find out and we'll see if uh, Marty St. Louis uh, sticks to any of these philosophies. Uh, we're going to take a look around the league at some news and notes. Uh, first of all, the Global Series is underway. The Los Angeles Kings and the Arizona Coyotes uh, played in Melbourne, Australia. And boy, am I jealous not to be there right now. <laughs> uh, the Arizona press practice rink did have some issues with their ice. Uh, of course, it's a bit of a hotter climate, so it's uh, more difficult to deal with that. But uh, the game went pretty well. Uh, sellout crowd, a little bit over 13,000 went to see. And... Uh, the Coyotes come away with a victory, five to three. And uh, man, Logan Cooley—that's—he's going to be a great player, isn't he? Oh, that was um, well. I watched two periods of the game. The first period was was kind of slow, and the teams were feeling each other out. And their first preseason game each, being in a new place, a new climate, a, a different—you know—it's the Rod Laver Arena. Um, it 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 was uh, unusual, so it was it was pretty slow. The second period, I think seven goals were were scored in the second period in a quick uh, quick length of time. But Logan Cooley's goal was unbelievable. If you haven't seen the um, the replay, go and and find it. The spinorama and then the reach and follow through. Incredible goal. Um, it, uh, I think it was Clayton Keller that said one of the nicest goals he's ever seen. Um, it, it was, I, I think it was fun. And, and, uh, the, the, uh, the, the fans seemed to enjoy the game. There's lots of LA Kings jerseys in, in the crowd. Uh, they got to see a fight in the first period. Mm-hmm. Um, there was rush playing in the arena. So, you know, it was a hockey game, um, and 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 they got to see some talent, especially uh, that of of Logan Cooley. I also mentioned that um, Pierre Luc Dubois was in uh, the lineup for the Kings for the first time. And oh boy. Uh, if he wanted to get uh, you know far away from Montreal, uh, we thought that Los Angeles was far. Well, this was about as far as you can get in uh, Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> And uh, now we have a string of news from uh, a city that thinks it could be the new center of the hockey universe. <laughs> uh, the NHL has finally approved the sale of the Ottawa Senators to Michael Ann Lauer. Uh, we know he won the bid for the team uh, a little while back. We spent the summer kind of waiting around for the official announcement, and uh, this went down this past week. Uh, a couple of interesting notes to add in there. Uh, the late Eugene Melnick's daughters, Anna and Olivia, will retain 10% of the ownership. Uh, other shares are being split amongst uh, local businesses in Ottawa. Michael Andlauer, um, we know that he was a shareholder uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. We know that uh, he owned... Uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, formerly the AHL uh, of the OHL, and and yes, they moved to to Brampton. Um, but um, I, you know, I've I've met him. He's he's a hockey fan. He he knows hockey inside and out. Um, and I really liked um, you know the owner coming out and and firing a shot across the bow right away. He, <laughs> his quote was, "We are a team that operates between two large hockey markets." And they both believe that they are center of the hockey universe. Um, I've been an underdog my whole life, and I know that we have the team, staff, fans, and community to prove them both wrong. Um, why not? <laughs> why not take shots at Toronto and Montreal? Well done, uh, Michael Andler. Yeah, I think he gained a lot of new fans just from saying that. 
if he didn't already have the respect from the Ottawa hockey community, he earned it just from saying that as well. <laughs> For sure. Uh, perhaps a little bit overblown of a quote uh, if you look on social media. I don't think it's a huge blow towards either of those cities. No. Uh, but uh, it's certainly nice to see him uh, point that out and give some hope to the fans. That uh, I think Ottawa's used to just being overshadowed by the two larger markets. And I mean... They're in between two of the biggest markets in the NHL, right? So it's uh, it's just how that's going to go. Fuel the rivalry. A rivalry. Paint yourself as uh, you know an underdog. Um, what's wrong with that? Yeah, exactly. Um, Michael Anlauer's uh, shares, uh, you mentioned that he has about 10% of the shares of the Habs. Well, uh, we believe that he's sold those to uh, Canadians' co-owner Jeff Molson. Uh, Jeff Molson just kind of reached into the pocket, uh, took care of that deal. <laughs> uh, maybe some conflicting reports as to how much uh, of a share Anlauer had, uh, uh, if this sale has already gone down or if it's still being worked on a little bit. But uh, we believe that that's what's going to happen at least. Yeah, Jeff Molson uh, on any uh, shares, and 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 it's a conflict of interest. You can't the NHL rules. You can't have shares of two NHL teams. So uh, Michael Andlauer had to take his Montreal Canadiens uh, shares. He was a min- minority shareholder, um, and offer them back uh, to the organization. Jeff Molson had the first right of refu- uh, refusal. Um, and, um, he would just say that he chose not to bring in any new investors. Uh, so this was dealt with internally, whether it was Molson himself or, uh, some of his other partners, we don't know, but as you said, a check was handed, um, you know, the value of those shares, um, it's been estimated that, that they're worth 500 million, 600 million. Um, so it was, so Michael Andlauer was able to, uh, take the money that uh, that he was given uh, for the uh, Montreal Canadiens shares and put it towards that purchase price, the record $950 million price uh, that he paid for uh, the Ottawa Senators. But don't yeah. worry, he's, he's said to be worth, what is it, one and one and a half billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> so I think I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, so he gets about half of what he paid for back, and uh, I think that all works out. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this rivalry goes. Some of my fondest memories of hockey are those uh, series that just kind of happened year after year between Ottawa and Montreal in the playoffs. Uh, you know, no more P.K. Subban, uh, no more uh, Mark Stone on Ottawa, but uh, I guess a uh, fresh cop- crop of players that uh, will learn to hate each other pretty soon. <laughs> so uh, coming up, uh, we'll hear a brand new message from our sponsors, DraftKings. You're going to want to hear this one, and then we'll get to our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Rocket Sports. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and check out the website CanadiansConnection.fm. And just a little reminder here to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. That way you never miss a single episode. As we head into this busy season, we'll be here every single Saturday. Even throughout the offseason, we're going to be there every single Saturday to bring you great coverage of the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, this is a pretty fun segment we uh, have set up for you. We have a guest just waiting to get in pretty soon and uh, Jeff Patterson. But first, uh, let's uh, get this thing all started. Uh, if we want to take a look back at August the 6th, uh, Canadians general manager Kent Hughes acted as a facilitator on a three-team trade that allowed Eric Carlson and the San Jose Sharks to make a trade to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, as part of the trade, Hughes acquired some draft capital and a couple players that he had no interest in keeping. And uh, Hughes completed, I guess, what we're going to call a final step of the trade on Tuesday by sending Casey DeSmith to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for Tanner Pearson. But uh, I get a feeling this trade tree is not going to be over. <laughs> uh, they also acquired a third round pick. Uh, so... I don't know. This is a trade that uh, we've been talking about since it happened, and it just keeps being relevant. It's a trade that just will not end. Yeah, that's right. And and uh, we can we can see the the thinking uh, behind Kent Hughes get involved, uh, get some draft capital, um, clear some uh, cap space, um, um, clear some spots in our roster for our younger players to step in. And then as the trade tree kept going, some of those things unraveled. Some of those things uh, got uh, got turned backwards. Um, so uh, the jury's out on, on uh, just um, how well uh, Kent, U- Kent Hughes did overall. Um, but Tanner Pearson, um, a bit of an unknown. And, and so, um, to give us a a scouting report on, on, uh, Tanner Pearson to describe all of his time in Vancouver, to describe the relationship between, uh, Tanner Pearson, uh, and the Vancouver Canucks, uh, we thought it was, we're called the Canadians connection. So we wanted to use our connections to bring in the best and the best, uh, when you're talking about the Vancouver Canucks, is Jeff uh, Jeff Patterson, and and he is the um, editor for the Hockey News Vancouver. Um, he does a podcast uh, called Rinkside uh, Vancouver, um, and and we're just thrilled to have him in the studio with us today. Yeah, so let's uh, welcome Jeff Patterson to the studio along with Amy Johnson to host this segment. 
Well, what a whirlwind of a week it's been. We wrapped up rookie camp, all getting set for training camp earlier this weekend. Of course, uh, uh, the Canadians drop a nice trade right in our laps uh, right before training camp is set to begin on the eve of training camp for for that matter. But hey, it's all good. We're 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 rolling with it and uh, very excited to be here with you in the studio today, Rick, because it means that we also get to invite in one of our new hockey news colleagues uh, to the show for the first time. He is the site editor for the Hockey News Vancouver team site. His name is Jeff Patterson. And Jeff, we are very happy to welcome you onto the show for the first time today. Well, I'm delighted to be with you guys. Uh, thanks for the invite. And it's just it's such an exciting time. I mean, we grind through the offseason and you know, off-seasons present lots of storylines, but training camps and preseason games and, you know, it's hockey season. So uh, happy to be with you guys. The absolute best time of the year. Uh, yeah. Lots of stories to cover. Uh, and you covered a story uh, last night um, in that uh, the the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Vancouver Canucks got together for a bit of an exchange uh, with Tanner Pearson coming to Montreal, Casey DeSmith uh, going to Vancouver. And uh, you were there uh, to uh, uh, explain uh, the, the trade, to break it down um, to um, to your audience on the Hockey News and also uh, to your audience, uh, your podcast audience on Rinkwide Vancouver. I wonder if, if you could um, provide the same kind of explanation to our audience. Sure. I mean, I'll try to paint a picture of Tanner Pearson and, and what the Montreal Canadiens are getting at this stage of his career. He just turned 31 in August and he played just 14 games last year. Uh, oddly enough, his season came to a premature end in Montreal with what appeared to be a, a pretty simple hand injury, and then it turned out that it was anything but a simple hand injury. Uh, officially diagnosed as a broken hand, and usually that's three weeks, and a guy can get back in there and, and carry on. And so the hope was he would be back. Uh, the injury happened, I think, November 9th, and the hope was he would be ready uh, well before Christmas. And then uh, something went completely sideways with the uh, procedure, and really the aftermath of the procedure. Uh, there was an infection, uh, we're led to believe that uh, there was a bone infection. Uh, he needed something like seven more procedures uh, beyond the initial surgery to, to repair the broken hand. So his season was over on November the 9th. And when he met with the media uh, at the exit meetings uh, in April, uh, like you could see frustration. You could see, uh, I think, some fear that maybe at this point his hand was still heavily bandaged. Uh, he had one of the things they call it a pick line where it's, uh, you know, draining the fluids and the infection and, and pumping antibiotics into uh, the affected area. Like mm. this was his day-to-day -day life. And this was April and the injury happened in November. Um, and he talked about like, I just want to be a dad. He has two young kids and, you know, I want to be able to play with the kids. But I also think at that point, there was some real questions about his future. He has one year left, obviously on his contract. And so, like, first of all, I'm delighted that Tanner Pearson has been back skating uh, here in Vancouver uh, late August. He took part in a pro camp put on by former Canuck Troy Stetcher, uh, and there were a bunch of Canucks involved there. And then uh, the Canucks have just been skating informally uh, as a group out of the University of British Columbia. And I've taken in a number of those sessions, and to see Tanner Pearson back doing what he loves to do. And if you didn't know the backstory that I just talked about, he just looks like another hockey player out there. So, you know, on that level, it's a really good news story that he's been back around the group, that he's been able to resume skating. And I think we're all excited to see 
where did he slot in? What would he look like? It's one thing to go through informal skates in August and early September. It's another when you're battling for your job and your livelihood uh, against other guys that want your spot. Younger players, hungrier players, all those types of things. So he was going to be one of the big storylines at, at Canucks camp, without a doubt. Now, it's important to mention that before he got hurt, he played 14 games last year, or parts of 14 games. He had one goal and five points and had taken eight minor penalties in those 14 games. Mm -hmm. Now, Tanner Pearson is a true pro through and through. Teammates love the guy. Coaches, and he's had a bunch of them out here in Vancouver, um, coaches totally respect, you know, he's as low maintenance as they come. Championship pedigree early in his career with the Los Angeles Kings. And so, you know, he's a good dude through and through. But this is the NHL, and you're being paid to play and contribute. And there were some real questions beyond the hand. Uh, I've been saying out here in Vancouver that, you know, I'm not even sure that the hand was the bigger issue for me than his feet, because he has never been particularly fleet of foot. And as this league gets faster by the year, again, one goal in 14 games last year and eight penalties, and a lot of them were hooking and holding, you know, an indication that he was having trouble keeping up. Now, he hasn't played a game in this league for 10 months. So uh, there were going to be challenges ahead of Tanner Pearson without a doubt. But when he is on his game and if he can get back to full health, you know, he's a big body with experience. I mentioned the championship pedigree with the Kings. Uh, wins puck battles down low, knows how to use his size effectively. And in the year that COVID first became a thing, like he had 21 goals and 45 points in 69 games and was a contributor on a second line for the Vancouver Canucks. But... The start of COVID feels like three lifetimes ago now. Yeah. So, and with all that he's been through, you know, I'm not sure that you can read a lot into his stats from 2019-20 as he gets set for the 23-24 season here. But uh, it's the only time that we saw him in the playoffs with the Canucks in the bubble and had eight points in 17 playoff games. So basically half a point a game guy. And again, I think you saw sort of his playoff chops appear there uh, where, you know, the situations, they had a young team and, uh, they upset the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues in the bubble and, you know, pushed Vegas to seven. And, you know, I think the moment was big for a lot of the young players, but I, you also saw the experience shining through on a player like Tanner Pearson. So, uh, you know, they're getting a really good person. I, I just don't know at this stage of his career. There are a lot of question marks beyond the hand. And so I think there's going to be a lot of focus on the hand. But as I've watched these informal skates, I've been watching him closely, you know, shoots the puck. Um and is able to get some velocity on it. So, you know, I think the hand is feeling pretty good. He wouldn't be out there on the ice. I don't think he'd be taking any chances if the hand wasn't feeling a whole lot better. But as you keep an eye on the hand, keep an eye on the feet as well, because I, I do think the speed of the game uh, is going to be an issue for a 31-year-old Tanner Pearson. So what what has been the uh, reaction, the instant reaction from Canucks fans? Because uh, on the face of this, th this seems like a bit of a lifeline uh, for the Canucks, um, you know, all of a sudden, uh, the check marks, uh, the cap compliant. Yep, now they're 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 going to be cap compliant. Uh, they have depth at goaltending, and maybe don't have to expose, um, you know, their young goaltenders. Um, I expect that we'll see a lot of Thatcher Demko, and yeah. and there's not uh, there's not a lot of of uh, benefit to having young goal, uh, a young backup sitting on the bench watching that, and and that would be Casey DeSmith perfectly and then and then there's the old the other aspect that you remove this drama of of the the tanner pearson situation from um from vancouver so is in the eyes of of canucks fans is this three big check marks 
Yeah, the ones that you laid out there, absolutely. And and people that watched the Canucks last year, Thatcher Demko got hurt on December 1st, and their season was already sliding towards the ditch before that. But when their starter went down, they tried to patchwork with guys that were essentially American hockey leaguers thrust into the number one spot, and they just weren't ready for it, and through no fault of their own. But this organization, they gambled that they had... Uh, you know, some backup depth, and ultimately they were exposed there. So Casey DeSmith is an upgrade in that regard, without a doubt, a proven backup at the NHL level. Uh, and the hope is that Thatcher Demko can stay healthy and play a lot. And then DeSmith, you know, can take some of the workload off them because they, they you don't want to run your starter into the ground. And they did that two years ago with Thatcher Demko. Cap compliant, obviously they had to get there. And this move, uh, you know, it came at a price of a third round pick. So, you know, was it universally praised out here? I would say no, because this organization has been running up against the cap for so long now, and they're not a playoff team and haven't been since, you know, the bubble is the only time since 2015. Like, they, they're not operating like a lot of the teams that know that they've got work in front of them. This has been a team that's been capped out, and that includes the buyout of Oliver Ekman Larson in June, one of the biggest buyouts in NHL history. And they're still bumping up against that salary cap, and we're over the cap through most of the offseason. So, um, you know, the fact that they had to part with a, a sweetener, uh, it takes you back a year where they were in the same boat and they had to do the same thing with Jason Dickinson and his contract to Chicago, but it cost them a second rounder. And this has just been a history now over a couple of regimes, the Jim Benning era, and now Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have come in, and they're still struggling in a flat cap world to gain full control of the cap. I mean, you have to be compliant by opening night, and they will be now, but it's come at a cost. So I think fans out here are... You know, rather than having some flexibility when you see other teams that are so far from the playoffs that are taking on bad salaries and being paid to do so, or, you know, they've got the flexibility to be a broker in one of those three-way deals, and the Canucks just, none of that, and so they're not operating like a lot of teams that uh, still have a ton of work in front of them, and they do, make no mistake, uh, they do. I mean, they missed the playoffs by a dozen points last year, and that was with Elias Pettersson having a 102-point season, and Quinn Hughes finishing second behind Eric Carlson in scoring among defensemen. So you've got star power, but ultimately it's not about one or two guys. It's a team game, and, and they haven't surrounded those guys with enough. And so, uh, you know, Tanner Pearson was going to be a tough. They, they've got a glut of wingers from... Uh, Kuzmenko to Brock Besser and Connor Garland. They've got young players in Vasily Podkolzin, the 10th overall pick of a few years ago. Uh, Niels Hoaglander, a second rounder. You know, it, were there going to be spots for all those guys? Uh, I guess that's what training camp in the preseason is for. But if you threw Tanner Pearson into the mix as well, you know, that's just one more veteran body. So uh, I know Patrick Alvin said he couldn't promise Pearson a roster spot or playing time. And you do wonder if he was, with all that time off, was he destined to be put on waivers? And if he cleared, was he going to have to start the season down in Abbotsford? You know, and that's an uncomfortable situation for a veteran. And as I said, he's so well-liked in the NHL locker room that, you know, how, how would that go over with his teammates and all those types of things? And so you use lifeline, and I think that's probably a good word. Uh, plus, with the medical drama, I do feel, and we haven't heard from Tanner Pearson since that April exit meeting availability, but, you know, I just you can understand human nature. If there was some frustration pent up with the organization and the way that he was handled and treated, this was supposed to be routine and it was anything but. So, you know, I, I just don't know that he could have come back here and become a hockey player and sort of swept all of that other drama under the rug. And maybe the best thing was for him to move on. And, you know, in doing so, the Canucks, as you said, addressed a few needs along the way. 
So, uh, you know, I think our audience is trying to uh, figure out where where does he fit at this stage in his NHL career? Uh, you said the GM said today that um, he, he wasn't he couldn't promise him a spot. We look several years back where he's, uh, you know, a, a second line winger uh, last year, just 14 games. So so where does he fit um, in an NHL roster? And and adding to that, uh, Kent Hughes said today, according to the information he has, his the strength in his repaired hand is just at 80 uh, percent right now. Um so uh, where, from your uh, from your viewings of him, from uh, your past knowledge, where do you think he fits in an NHL lineup? Well, I think at this stage of his career, he's certainly a, a bottom six forward. I, I think on a on any good team, uh, he, he can't be in the top six. The production has dropped off. Again, the foot speed, I think, is a bit of a concern. But he's conscientious. His habits and all those types of things are you know, what coaches are looking for. So I think that he can have a role, I think, as a guy that's now on the, you know, the, the wrong side of 30. Uh, you know, you start to look and, okay, he's a true veteran. Can he be a mentor to younger players? And maybe there's a role in that regard, again, revered by his teammates, uh, well-liked, universally regarded. And I imagine that that will follow him wherever he goes. Uh, you know, it's not going to change his personality. So uh, I think that there's some of that, but ultimately... You know, he's being paid three and a half million, three point two five, and in fact, there, there's more money owed uh, on the deal than the salary cap hit. It was a back end loaded deal, but I believe uh, some of it's already been paid by the Canucks in a in a signing bonus. Um, you know, this isn't about charity and those types of things. Like, <laughs> he wants to be a player; they want him to be a player. So, where does he fit in? Uh, I will say this: that when he was at the top of his game here a few years ago, he played on a line with Bo Horvat and Louis Erickson. And it was automatic that those three guys were out late in any game the Canucks had a lead. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Pearson led the league in short in empty net goals one year. And so, you know, you look at his overall goal total and you have to take that into account. But it also says an awful lot when a guy is in that situation to lead the league in empty net goals that his team has leads and that he's being trusted out there, uh, you know, to not only protect them, but to, to snuff out any possible comeback by putting a puck in the other team's net. So they were called the insurance line for that reason, because uh, I think Travis Green at the time, the head coach, uh, you know, he had a utmost confidence that those guys were going to go out there and get the job done. And so I think, again, that speaks to, you know, a, a willingness to block shots, to get in shooting lanes, to finish checks, to, you know, seal off opponents so that somebody can come and get the puck and, and move it up ice and, and all those things. That's what Tanner Pearson does when he's at the top of his game. But uh, it's just, it's been a while since we've seen him at the top of his game. And so, you know, in terms of what the Montreal Canadiens are doing, the way that they want to play, you know, it seems every team now wants to play an up-tempo style, and that doesn't necessarily uh, fit into the strengths of Tanner Pearson's game. So, so much of it comes back to, uh, you know, not only the hand and its ability, but, you know, can he keep up with the pace? And I know I've said that a few times, uh, but I would have been saying that if he had remained with the Vancouver Canucks. So I'm just, for anybody that watches him from day one on the ice with the Montreal Canadiens, monitor the foot speed, monitor his ability to stay with the game and keep up with the pace, because if he can't, if you're falling behind, uh, you know, you're, you're just not going to have a role in today's NHL. Now, being trusted at the end of the game may suggest that there's a role for him on the, the penalty kill. Uh, that said, um, you know, referring to last year, you said he spent a, a good number <laughs> of, of his minutes uh, in the penalty box. So that doesn't quite square. Uh, but has he played on the, the penalty kill in the past? 
He has, generally not as a primary penalty killer. He would usually be, if they had three sets of forwards, quite often he would be one of the the, the third duo out over the board. So uh, as the Canucks have changed their roster and changed their dynamic, uh, that role was taken away from him. And as you said, part of it was uh, he spent too much time in the penalty box. And, you know, it's important to remember, too, that uh, the Canucks had the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League last year. And early in the season, like they just couldn't afford to have guys taking penalties. And it was Pearson. It was Tyler Myers. It was Oliver Ekman Larson. Like they were constant parade to the penalty box and they were just shooting themselves in the foot because uh, the guys that were left to kill penalties had no confidence. You could see it. Other teams were picking them apart. Uh, But as for Pearson himself, you know, yes, he's done some penalty killing, but I, at this stage of his career, I'd be surprised if he was viewed as a penalty killer. Off the top of my head, I don't know what Montreal has ahead of him, but, you know, it was a depth penalty killing role here in Vancouver. And again, has missed 10 months of action, not getting a whole lot faster, uh, going up against the other team's best players generally on the power play. Uh, you know, that's a tall ask. So I, I'd be surprised if Pearson found himself in penalty killing role, but he does have some experience on his resume at the NHL level. Well, you mentioned the, the Canucks at the bottom in terms of penalty kill. The Canadians were bottom four last season, <laughs> so not much better. You know, it's so it's yet to be seen, you know, how much he's going to be able to contribute to the on ice product for the Canadians. Maybe he's maybe he'll be able to contribute something in the off ice aspect for the Canadians. You know, you've talked a bit about his personality. Um, We know that the Canadians are in the midst of this of this rebuild, even though they don't like to use that word anymore. Um, And and they have a very young core. There's a focus on development this year. The prospects are going to be in the spotlight kind of kind of, you know, making their mistakes, learning as they go. How can a guy like Tanner Pearson be a a leader in the dressing room for a young team like the Habs this season? Yeah, you know, it's funny. He's not a vocal guy, at least to my knowledge. And I've certainly interviewed him many, many times. And for a bunch of years, I was out traveling uh, when the Canucks were on the road uh, when I was working for TSN Radio. And so I would see him, you know, not just the home games, but have a chance to sort of interact with him away from... uh, home as well and you know I, I i said like he's really popular in the room because i just think he's an easygoing guy uh pretty even keel but he's not loud he's not boisterous um you know he, he sometimes uh, it almost felt like he was a little shy when you would put a microphone in his face but he could certainly handle himself and, and give you some answers uh, and that kind of thing but i just think now uh you know he's gained experience he's coming up on 600 nhl games and that's a significant milestone for anybody um, you know, I think he needs 10 more regular season games to, to get to 600 for his NHL career. Uh, I, I'm sure that he has already consulted. Uh, his best friend is Tyler Toffoli. And of course, they played together on that 70s line in Los Angeles. And then uh, I remember how excited Pearson was when the Canucks acquired Toffoli and was probably crushed when Toffoli walked out the door in free agency. <laughs> um, and now obviously Tyler Toffoli's a couple of teams removed from Montreal. But, but I would think that uh, he and Tanner Pearson... Um, you know, really good buddies, and I'm sure that uh, he has consulted Toffoli to get his read on the organization. You know, Alex Burroughs, I know, has kept very close tabs on what goes on in Vancouver and, you know, good friends with Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Um, and so, uh, you know, Burroughs probably is familiar enough with, and if he isn't, uh, he could just make a phone call or two and, and get the read on on Tanner Pearson as well. So uh, Pearson's bounced around. Look, he, uh, you know, he went from Los Angeles to Pittsburgh, uh, part of this story, too, is that uh, this is the second time in his career that he's been traded by Jim Rutherford. He was acquired uh, by the Penguins. That didn't last so long. 
Uh, then he got dealt to Vancouver, and now Rutherford is here, and so Rutherford and Patrick Alvine trading away Tanner Pearson for a second time in his career. But I just think he brings all sorts of experience, and at the end of the day, that uh, was part of a cup winner, the second of the two Stanley Cups for the Los Angeles Kings. He was early in his career, but he's gone deep into the playoffs. Uh, and all the Habs uh, probably, I mean, they'd love to get on a deep playoff run, but uh, you know whether that happens, you know, Tanner Pearson has pretty much seen everything and done just about everything in the National Hockey League as well. And and so I think it's just about uh, trying to impart all that knowledge with some of the, uh, on some of the younger players and helping them develop. And hopefully he'll accept that role. You know, he wasn't really asked to be a mentor in Vancouver because uh, they had some other experienced players and uh, they've tried to get younger as they've gone here. But when he arrived on the scene, uh, you know, he was just another guy in that locker room. But I would think as he goes to Montreal and he sort of takes stock of where he is in his career and... Uh, you know, I think he has to recognize that that's some of the value that he can bring now is uh, just imparting all of that experience that he's got, the wisdom to try to help guys through some situations. And as I said, I, my sense is, knowing how much he was liked by teammates here in Vancouver, uh, it probably won't take long for guys in Montreal to figure out uh, that, you know, he's a good guy and, and you know, hopefully he can just fit in there and, and again, resume his career. Well, that is absolutely a comprehensive outlook on Tanner Pearson. Our listeners will uh, be well informed now to to know what to expect when he hits the ice with the Montreal Canadiens this week in training camp. Uh, Jeff Patterson, thank you so much for joining us here on the Canadians Connection podcast today. Uh, I would encourage all of our listeners, if you'd like to keep tabs on what the Vancouver Canucks are doing, give Jeff a follow on Twitter. You can find him at Patterson Jeff that's Patterson with one T at -hmm. Patterson Jeff and uh, Jeff thanks again we uh, we certainly hope to have you back on the show again sometime soon hey anytime Uh, you know where to find me now and let's see how the season unfolds and again fingers crossed for Tanner Pearson that it all works out because at the end of the day he's a good guy Uh, he didn't deserve uh, all that went sideways on the medical side thing so there are a lot of people in Vancouver that will be pulling for him uh, to get back onto NHL ice in Montreal you wanted the facts and all the facts. Well, that's what comes with uh, Jeff Patterson. He was terrific. What a great guest. Give you a, a complete story. All the good, all the bad, all everything in between. And what you might expect as uh, a veteran like Tanner Pearson enjoy, uh, joins the Montreal Canadiens um, lineup, uh, the roster. Uh, we were very grateful for um, you know Jeff Patterson for... Uh, giving us the time this week to come and and, uh, speak with us on the show Um, because we know you, the listeners, the audience, uh, you want to know, you want to know the truth, and uh, we knew we could get that from Jeff. Yeah, so big thanks to Jeff Patterson. Uh, We know it's a busy time of year, so I appreciate all the expertise on this topic and uh, interesting to get to know Tanner Pearson a little bit better as well. Um, So heading into our final break here, uh, we do want to give our listeners something to think about. uh, And that thing is our Canadians Connection question of the week. And our question for our listeners is, in determining their roster, should the Canadians favor players' resume or ceiling? We want to hear from you, and uh, it's going to be time to take our final break. Uh, Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The Rocket Sports Media team wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, log in to THN.com slash Montreal. Your year-round source for anything Habs-related. That's THN.com slash Montreal. Welcome back to episode 262 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Please make sure you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also check out the website, canadiansconnection.fm. And feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. We're always eager to hear from our listeners to hear their thoughts and opinions. We'll get to our Canadians Connection question of the week soon. But first, there are a few things we have to let you know about. As this team has a lot going on, this was a very newsy episode, if you noticed. So if you want some help keeping up to date, you can find all the Canadians coverage in one place. Just head over to THN.com slash Montreal. That's THN.com slash Montreal. And you'll find everything you need to know about the Montreal Canadiens this season. What does THN stand for? Well, of course, it stands for the hockey news. And if you haven't heard, uh, Rocket Sports is providing the content um, for all leagues in Quebec, as I said earlier. Uh, but particularly the Montreal Canadiens um, were, were uh, on THN.com slash Montreal. Just to repeat... Uh, and we've moved all of our, our uh, coverage of the Montreal Canadian, Canadians organization, organization there. Montreal Canadiens News, Laval Rocket News, Prospect News. You can find it all, THN.com slash Montreal. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search at All Habs and you'll be able to pull it up. Hit the subscribe button and you will find the Habs Hockey Report show there. That's hosted by Amy Johnson every single week. She puts up great episodes with great analysis. This latest episode is entitled Six Key Things to Watch at Habs Training Camp. So make sure you tune into that. Leave a like, leave a comment, uh, get involved in the discussion there. 
Also, uh, while you're there, you will find episodes of the Canadians Connection podcast now on YouTube as well. Uh, maybe that's how you find us. Uh, maybe you're uh, listening to us on a podcast app and you're thinking, you know what, uh, I'd rather listen to you guys on YouTube. Feel free, head over there and uh, make sure you listen to us there. Give us a second listen even. Uh, we always love uh, hearing all your comments and uh, leave us a like, hit a subscribe button to search at all Habs and you will find our YouTube channel there. You can also make sure you're subscribed to both Rocket Sports Radio podcasts on your favorite podcasting app to start uh, the Press Zone that comes out every single Tuesday. If you've missed any episodes, if you want to find all of our episodes of the Press Zone, just head over to thepresszone.fm, hosted by Amy Johnson, hosted by our AHL guru, Patrick Williams. Sometimes Rick Stevens gets in there, too. That's going to be your source to find out everything about the Laval Rocket, Habs Prospects, anything AHL. It's a great source. It's a great listen. So I recommend tuning into that one every single Tuesday. And this podcast, The Canadian's Connection, if you missed any of our episodes over the summer or you just want to re-listen to anything, you can find all the episodes at canadiansconnection.fm. We're going to continue to be here every single Saturday to provide you great coverage And as we have the preseason underway, as the hockey season comes underway, uh, this is going to be your best source to keep up with everything to do with the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, the past few weeks we've been promoting this, and uh, we'll continue to promote this on this episode. Uh, We are recruiting. uh, The Rocket Sports team is interested in uh, adding on a few more members. Uh, This past week uh, we did add on a couple of amazing writers in uh, Jeremy and Mark who are going to be writing for THN uh, for the QMJHL. Uh, make sure you're following at Hockey News uh, QMJHL as well if you want to find all of our coverage on that. And uh, Rick, if other people are interested in joining our Rocket Sports team, what's the best way for them to do? You can reach out to us on social media. You can send us an email, hello at rocketsportsmedia.com, or you can go to HabsHockeyReport.com and find the Join Our Team tab, fill out a short application, and we'll get right back to you. Um, my thanks. Um, we're, we're putting together a, a team for the QMJHL. We've added some great people already, and Jeremy and Mark, welcome to the Rocket Sports team. And uh, you'll see their work when the QMJHL um, site launches on the Hockey News, and, uh, and that's going to happen soon. Um, and our own uh, Twitter account um, uh, that we've set up for the queue is, are we still calling it Twitter? Do we have to call it X? Um, uh, it is at Hockey News QMJHL, at Hockey News QMJHL. So make sure you're finding that, and we will keep you up to date throughout this busy hockey season on that Twitter account. Now it's a good time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. And that question is, in determining their roster, should the Canadians favor players' resume or ceiling? We want to make sure we hear from you. And uh, Rick, uh, if people have something a little bit longer to say, uh, they might want to reach out to us by email. Uh, So what's the email they can reach out to us on? We get emails. We like emails. We respond to emails or we even read emails on the air. Uh, That email address is hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. And uh, we get plenty of messages throughout the week. Uh, we get them through texts, emails, tweets, uh, sometimes comments on YouTube, comments on our social media. And uh, Rick, uh, we picked a couple of reactions to read out to you today. These are both uh, both coming uh, from our text line, 5853-ROCKET. Um, Dino, we haven't heard from him for a while. Dino and his little friend Molly. 
um, have sent. And we all, I, I love uh, getting uh, messages from Dino, and they're typically in Franglish, um, if you know what that is. Uh, Slubian, Rick, Amy, Mike, and Associates, hope you're well. Each autumn, uh, hope springs eternally for all clubs, yes, and for ours too. It's the year. It's year three for the rebuild. So what's going to happen? Um, are the Canadians going to meet expectations? Are they going to transition from a development team uh, to a playoff team? Um, other players have arrived. Uh, other teams have arrived. Not us yet. Uh, have a ga- great podcast uh, this afternoon. Um, and he says, uh, Habs uh, hope uh, always and forever uh, from Dino and Molly. Uh, great email, and uh, he's looking forward to some questions being answered about this season. And you know what? There's some pressing questions about this season. What are we going to talk about next next week on the podcast? Well, I think we're going to talk about pressing questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a little preview of episode Canadians Connection, episode 263. Uh, this text, and uh, I love hearing from Chris um, he sends very detailed uh, texts. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to uh, uh, paraphrase a little bit here. Uh, it says, "Hello, gents. This is Chris from the other Hamilton. Of course, the other Hamilton <laughs> we've come to learn is Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, great show as always. Um, talking about last week. A couple of thoughts. Uh, first, mentorship. Yes, the Hab should always and absolutely embrace mentorship." Kudos to Byron and Gionta for taking players under the wing and for culti- cultivating those relationships. And we'll add to uh, what we learned about Byron and, uh, and his mentorship, as we talked about in, in the earlier uh, segment. Um, a clean slate. Uh, he says that he understands uh, my perspective as far as um, um, Marty, Marty St. Louis and Alex Newhook. Uh, but he says that uh, Marty wants to not doesn't want to cloud his ju- judgment based on uh, past performance. What a better way of not judging a book by its cover than not even to open the book or look at the book. Um, we talked about the P word that was one of the buzzwords uh, last uh, last week. Uh, he said the real P word should be patient. I am more than willing to wait a few years for proper ingredients to be added to the mix. You can't succeed in today's NHL without plenty of young, um, drafted, properly developed developed talent. Um, regarding the development of Meshach uh, and Ull's quote, quote was absolutely and uh, absolutely absurd and hurtful uh, by someone whose job it is to be better prepared in those on the spot moments. Um, and he asked a question, a reasonable question. Uh, why is Kelly Buckberger, uh, who is a, uh, was an offensive-minded player uh, in charge of the defense in Laval? Good question. Um, he's actually uh, uh, pretty good at it, but um, but it's it's a reasonable question. And it's one we've asked uh, before. We didn't, we never got really good answer about it, but uh, it's it's the slot he has. Uh, and um, it's Martin uh, LaPerriere who looks after um, the offense for the most part in uh, Lavelle. 
So a big thanks to Chris from uh, Not the Hamilton You're Thinking of and Dino from Gatineau for reaching out to us. Uh, we do uh, suggest uh, if anyone sends us a text or email, include your first name and where you're from just so we know who we're talking to. Uh, Chris and Dino, we've uh, been hearing from them quite a lot. I think uh, Chris, uh, quite a few in the last uh, episodes, and Dino's been a longtime listener. So we appreciate the both of you, and we appreciate everyone who does reach out to us and uh we're going to continue to read out uh, some of our messages on this segment as we go along through this season. Uh, coming up this week, uh, we actually have four games that uh, we're going to get to. Yep. Starting tomorrow on Sunday, the 24th, it's Red versus White Intrasquad. That's going to go down 1 p.m. at Bell Center, and it's already sold out. So if you already have your tickets, uh, I guess I will see you there. I'm going to be there. And uh, for those who don't, uh, I believe there will be some broadcasting of that game. You'll the, be there. Chris will yep. be there. We'll have uh, a contingent of Rocket Sports team uh, there. If you want to meet, do you want to meet fans? Do you want to meet fans, Michael? Yeah, yeah. If you recognize me, uh, <laughs> come up to me and say hello. Yeah. My ego definitely needs that. <laughs> uh, we got a couple uh, preseason games to get to this week as well. Uh, Monday, September 25th, the uh, New Jersey Devils are coming to Montreal. That's a 7 p.m. start. And then a couple days later on the 27th, Ottawa comes to Montreal, and uh, we'll see if we can get this rivalry brewing early. <laughs> and, of course, it's always fun to see uh, Toronto visiting Montreal. They're going to come on the 29th of September, so preseason is underway. There'll be plenty of stuff to talk about next week. But for now, that's going to be a wrap for us today. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Uh, please make sure you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, You can share it on social media as well if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, September the 30th, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rocket Sports. Rocket Sports.